All right. So it's 9.16 here. And uh, I'm just going to put this here. Yeah, make your way in. And I told, so you people on the wings, uh, I, I, you people, that's not very nice. Um, yeah, welcome back, Pastor Craig. You have to be really offensive right away. Uh, I'd ask people to sit more in the middle if you can, even if your spot. So I'm going to ask you guys to move in. Fiona, don't be rebellious, okay? I can't, I can't do this this morning. So um, if you guys can move into the center section for Sunday school, if you want to put your stuff where you normally sit, like white family, you have a row, we know, you put it there. But if you can sit in the center, and there's going to be reasons why over the next four weeks why it'd be better if we just sat closer uh, for, for people to hear one another. Um, I have a, a ton to say this morning and not a ton to say at the same time. Uh, I kind of want to give you a roadmap of where we're going over the next month. So we'll spend four weeks together in spiritual gifts, and part of that will be in our Sunday school time and then um, in the sermon time. And so the, the, if you look at them as eight, I guess, times together, uh, both with the sermon time and time in Sunday school, uh, they're each independent. I'm trying to make them independent because people will miss, but I'm also trying to make them go together, which is why we invited the middle school and uh, high school kids in here too, because I really feel like uh, this will be transformative for the life of our church. If we get a better understanding of spiritual gifts right, that we as a body could really grow together and our mission together could grow. Does that make sense? And so what I want to do is pray. I'll give you a brief roadmap. But this morning even, uh, I just want to spend even some more time just praying together and then having um, not as much discussion, but that's why I'd, I'd like you in the center, Harold. You have to come sit in the set. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have peripheral vision. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing, too. Like, when you talk about the body and togetherness, it's easier to hear one another, but this is also very symbolic of what I'm praying that the Lord would do in our church body uh, together as, as a body of Christ. So let me pray for us, and then I'll kind of give you a little bit of personal background before we dive in. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we praise you um, for your goodness and love. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness to us in Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness to this church and this church body. And Father, uh, I do pray that we would listen to your voice, your word, and that would be led truly by the Holy Spirit. We would understand better the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Holy Spirit over the next month, and Father, that it would, would truly just change us individually and change our corporate body. And I do um, just, I want to pray especially for Josiah right now. He is not doing so well, and I pray that you would heal his little body too, give Carrie grace as well, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Since I just prayed that, um, vacation was really good. Um, we traveled well, Josiah traveled well, and then I must have caught something on the plane ride home. And so the last three or four days, um, we've just been trying to keep him out of the hospital. It sounds like maybe that's trending towards Madison as he would need extra help. But just be praying for Carrie. She's dealing with that um, this morning. And uh, as weird as it sounds, it's very r- routine to us. So, so we're used to that, uh, have uh, plans in place for that. Um, you guys are sitting on the wings. I'll allow it. I'm not going to make you sit in the center, but Adam won't allow it because he just got up like he was going to. Okay. All right. All right. 
if we can, yeah, as long as we can crouch towards the center for these times together, that would be better. So we're looking at spiritual gifts, and I want to kind of give you just a little bit of background into um, maybe, this is a little personal for me in my journey, and I wanted to give you that in context of what we're talking about in spiritual gifts, so I'll give you a little um, my heart in that at the moment. And I want to do that by just reading a verse in Thessalonians. You don't necessarily have to turn there, but it's First Thessalonians 5, or it's several verses, 19 through 22. And this is what it says. It says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. I want to give you just a little like peace of my heart and the journey of when it comes to spiritual gifts, like a, where I find myself now, and we've talked and prayed about this as elders, is there's a certain understanding that we'll, we'll gl- gl- I guess, gain and glean from over the next four weeks together uh, of what we view about spiritual gifts. But for me, I've only viewed spiritual gifts a certain way, both theologically and practically. And so I think I've struggled in the tension of not wanting to quench the Spirit. And we're not going to talk about all this this morning, but there's controversy around spiritual gifts, right? In terms of miraculous gifts, tongues, healing, all those things. And so the tension of not wanting to quench the Spirit and and dismiss those things, and then the theological implications of, well, do those gifts exist in the life of the church today? And and they've been practiced poorly, and so we shouldn't use them. And, And so... I start there by saying, as elders, we want to toe into not, and I got to say this really clearly with some grace for you to discern this, we want to trust God for what he wants in our church. We want to be open to the things of the Spirit, being cautious and right, and so I would say, if you're hearing me say, "Uh uh-oh, Pastor Craig's gone wacky, don't hear that, that's not necessarily true. It also is not saying Pastor Craig is going to remain this conservative, like, well, these gifts don't exist, and so we don't use them and don't practice them. We're going to, as elders, and I want you to know that as a representative of the elder team, it's not just me, we want to toe in, wade into cautiously what God would have us grow in as a body. Make sense? And so that's where we're journeying together, not wanting to quench the spirit, not wanting to, like, like put a bubble around that, and at the same time, like not wanting, it says in that verse, test everything, like abstain from every form of evil, and we'll talk about that more even when we jump into 1 Corinthians 12 today. So by definition, a couple of things, and then I'm going to talk a little bit. What is a spiritual gift? Let's just shout it out loud so everybody can hear you. In your opinion or background, what is a spiritual gift? Speaking in tongues. That is by list a spiritual gift. What is, by definition, a spiritual gift? Go ahead. Gifts given by the Spirit. Thank you. Gifts given by the Spirit. You two can just go back and forth if you want. Yeah. Discernment. Discernment. Another one listed. Yeah, that's great. A gift given by the Spirit of God for His will and His purpose. All right, so that's a really important distinction there. Anybody else? Prophecy. Prophecy, another one listed. Discipleship. We'll, we'll talk about that. Like, and something that you'll hear, a lot of this content over the next several weeks will be uh, maybe overlap and repeated. I, I don't believe, as I've often believed, that the list given in Scripture is exhaustive. 
And so there's many gifts that aren't even mentioned in, in that we could say. We only see, you don't want conjecture in the Bible. You can only see what you see, but there's evidences of that. Anybody have a, like an idea of defining like even more so what a spiritual gift is? Any other thoughts? Yeah, that's a really important distinction, all right? Spiritual gifts, if you understand them biblically, they are for the body of Christ. And so a lot of times uh, we'll get that confused with, uh, spiritual gifts being for either the world or for the church to go out on a mission or for the body. And every time, I'll say this again later, every time you see the spiritual gifts mentioned, the body is always used as an illustration. Paul's writing that. And so you always see that link there. It's for the body of Christ. And in the text today, we'll look at in the sermon time, 1 Corinthians 12, for the common good of the body. All right. And so those are all important distinctions by, I'm not, we're not doing a bunch of Greek speak here, but uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, the, the thing that he mentions there in verse 1, not wanting you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, he talks about spiritual things or numitakas is what he's talking about. And then later in verse 4, he talks about the word charismata. So some of you hear that word charismata and you think of charismatics, right? These are wackadoodles spiritually, right? That's what we think. Like, oh, well, they're the extremely spiritual people. But charisma, or charis, comes from the root word grace. The Thomas family so richly blessed us with a daughter that they have named after grace. Charis is grace. Charismata is the gift of grace. And so that's what the Holy Spirit gives is gifts of grace. Additionally, you could even include marriage and celibacy to the list of gifts of grace. Those are spiritual gifts. We never thought of it that way, but they're just gifts of grace given by the Spirit to the church. And so think of it this way, as a modern translation of the Greek, they're like birthday gifts or love gifts from the Spirit of God to the church. They have purpose in their gift, but they're the Holy Spirit, God himself, the person in the Trinity, loving on the church, giving them gifts for his purpose, as Jen said, and his will. And so what I want to do is um, I just want to give you a, I want to have you think about two questions, and then I want to give you several, like 14 of them I have written, myths that I've journeyed through in spiritual gifts that I've said, I think these are things that are myths that I've just assumed are true, but things that I hope to unpack over the next eight times together. And then I want to spend the last at least 15 minutes, if we can, if not a little more, just praying together. And, and really wanted this time and our first time together to be preparatory and just that we would be the people of God praying open to the things of God as he would teach us this month. And so as we look at the sermon series going ahead, this is kind of this, God, I don't know what you're going to do in our church. And that's how I've been praying. God, I don't know what you're going to do in our church, but I really expect that if we seek you in humility and we go after this scripturally, that you could teach us really good things. So I want you to consider these two questions as you think uh, about spiritual gifts. One is this, and this is true of me. How has my upbringing and church experience shaped my view on spiritual gifts? Think about that for a second. How has my exposure or background in church settings shaped my view? Some of you might be in a spectrum of, I don't even really still know what you're talking about, spiritual gifts. So like this is brand new to you. That might be your exposure. Well, that's a great place to be in some ways. Some of you be, might be like, well, I grew up in a church that we didn't believe in certain gifts and we believed that um, those things don't exist for our church age. 
Or maybe you grew up in a church that like everybody spoke in tongues and it was expected that everybody spoke in tongues. That could be a spectrum of your experience. My point in that question is our experiences often shape our theology, right? We can all, you're nodding so you can all affirm. That's not always correct theology, but our experience can often shape what we believe about something just because that's what we, what environment we were in. And so I was challenged by that. Over the next several weeks, we'll cover terms and definitions like continuationist, which is somebody that believes all the gifts are continuing in the age of the church, and cessationist, the gifts have ceased. So the miraculous sign gifts have all ceased. There's, churches have split over this issue, right? And I'll, I'll even go back to, um, I'll, I, I had every intention, I'm a rambler anyways, that I would ramble this morning. I'm trying not to, but there's just too much firing in there. Um, I go back to when I first came to Real Hope, and I'll never forget this story. I think I shared it with the elders. Um, when I, on the website, when I was checking it out, uh, and again, I grew up in a church that would, would have answered this question the same way, but I was checking it out. There was a bunch of questions like, what to expect at Real Hope? And this is in 2004, 5, 5. So it was, you know, 15 years ago. And it was a question like, uh, well, what, what, what can I expect people to dress like, you know, because people are always wearing a shirt and tie or shirt untucked or something like that. What do I show up? And all these questions. What's the music like? What's the preaching like? And then there was all these answers to the questions. And then there was this question. Do you believe in the gift of tongues? And it just said no, period. On to the next one. And I'll never forget that moment because it just didn't do more than that. It just said no, period, done. We're not. It said a lot by a short answer. It said we're not talking about that. Don't talk about that. Don't bring that up. We don't want to know about that. Like I, that was all that was around that small two-letter word with a period at the end. That stuck with me because I think that's how I've kind of viewed it theologically. No period. We don't want to talk about that. We, we you know, service and faithfulness and uh, discernment and, well, that's a little edgy right there, but, you know, we're talking about spirits and stuff, but um, giving and evangelism and all those things, yeah, those are good, safe, but these other ones are like, we just, we don't go there. And so that's kind of my heart in that and thinking about miss, how much has my upbringing and church experience shaped my view? And the second question is this, how much of your Christian life, and this is just a great question for all of us in general, how much of your Christian life has been governed by the ugliness of what you have seen rather than the beauty of scripture itself? Does that make sense? So I tag that with spiritual gifts because when you see spiritual gifts abused, and practiced in an ugly way, you don't want to go near those things. Instead, wading into the beauty of Scripture itself and said what it says about it. Let me give you a picture about this, and it'll be blunt, and some of you, I'm not trying to offend by this, but I'm just trying to teach. So when I see Benny Hinn on television go, head, right? Yeah, Diane says, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I go... I don't know if I buy that every time, you know? And then you hear stories of how people are put in the audience like, like ahead of time and staged and, and that's abuse and, and some poor. And then I don't want to go near those things because I've seen abuse. And so that is going to be one of the myths on the list. So think about those things. I'm going to read these 14 things and then we're just going to pray. We're going to hold an open hand to what God has for us. It might take a couple questions, but I really do want, do want to pray together. Here's the first one. I'll just uh, ramble on a little bit about that. And I would say before I begin, um, 
does anybody know the four Bible texts that, uh, primarily the four Bible texts that spiritual gifts are mentioned? Anybody? Yep. So if you can remember the numbers 12 and 4, you're going to be really good and just think Paul. So Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, so that's where we'll be today, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. So Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. I would encourage you in your quiet times over the next month especially to just open up those four passages and read the Bible and let the Bible do what the Bible does. When you read the Bible for what it's worth and when you pray with an open heart to God, the Bible speaks for itself, all right? So let the scripture and the spirit do its work and just open it up and be praying, God, what do you what are, you, what are you saying about all this stuff in my life, in our church's life? That's what our elders have been praying. Opening up the word and saying, God, teach us about the spiritual gifts. And so those are the, the four texts. And even as you pray together this morning, maybe you have your Bible open to one of those particular things and it can help you pray as, as the text reads. And so here's what 14 myths. I'm sure there's more, but these are just my list. And I hope, I hope you glean from these in thinking about um, the spiritual gifts. The first one, as I've already kind of mentioned, the gifts listed in Scripture are an exhaustive list. I think we see what we see, and we come at it from an attitude of spiritual gifts mentioned are the only ones that I could possess. And I think there could be lots of different ways that God, by the Spirit, uses gifts and abilities in you for the common good of the body. And so when you see the list, we often, again, inventories, right? All of you know, not all of you, maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. When you want to know your spiritual gifts, you take a test, an inventory, and it spits out the answer. Problems with that is it's not really probably the right way to do it. And anybody can take a test different with different feelings. The questions aren't always asked the right way. And sometimes if you just do it that way with the list, and some churches have 13, and that's what they say is the list. Some have 17, some have 27. Sometimes in my church, I think we had like nine or 10, and then like, you know, they eliminated stuff that, that was listed, but they didn't want to touch it. And so it doesn't matter what it is. If you add marriage and celibacy, maybe you get closer to 30 as listed in the scriptures. But I don't want us to approach spiritual gifts like that anymore. I want us to pray about what God would have us reading the word and showing us what our gift might be. Because every believer has a gift or gifts, but I don't think the scripture's list is an exhaustive one. There could be more, um, and there might not be, but I think there's evidences of different examples of that. The second thing is spiritual gifts. Here's a myth. Spiritual gifts are only used in the context of worship gatherings. Now, this probably edges towards maybe the, the more charismatic Pentecostal movements, where when believers gather, um, that, you know, that's when speaking in tongues and then 1 Corinthians is going to talk about order and worship and interpretation. We're going to get to 12, 13, 14 about all that. But that, that's a, the church could use spiritual gifts in, in many ways outside of our corporate worship gatherings for the body, right? And we know that Sunday is not the only day we do church, right? We gather for Bible studies. Corporately it is, but in the sense of gathering for Bible studies and people of God gathering together they're carrying out the mission of the church, praying together, praying for one another, serving each other, on and on and on. So they're not just in the context of what we consider Sunday morning at 1030. That's when all the Spirit of God pours out all the gifts, and that's when we use them together. No, don't think like that. That's another myth. The third one 
Each, this is interesting, each believer only possesses a gift or certain gifts on the biblical list for their whole lifetime. That's an interesting one. The way that we generally approach spiritual gifts is that you have a gift. It's probably going to be the gift you always have. And I think God's slowly teaching me, no, like the spiritual gifts can come in different seasons and different times in different ways for different purposes in moments even. And we'll talk about that. So maybe, again, this, is, this whole thing this month is designed to being open. If we pigeonhole ourselves practically and theologically to say, no, only spiritual gifts, I have the gift of, and I've always said this, I would say, I, I, I've told people my spiritual gifts are faith, leadership, and teaching as they've grown. Those are them. So the three. What I do is say that God is not able to do anything else in me, and those will always be my gifts. They might be for a season, but if I'm on a mission field and, and there's others who don't have that gift in a local church setting, maybe the Spirit of God does something else in me in a moment or in a time in a season. Does that make sense? question was asked when we talk about marriage and celibacy, can the Spirit give those two gifts to the same person? Answer that question. Marriage and celibacy. No? Anybody else? Yes, in different seasons, right? Think about it. If you're single for a while, you're not married. That's your gift. And if the Lord keeps you that way, then that's what he decides to do. But if he gives you a spouse, then you're married. And so that's how I want you to think about these things. Some of the gifts, and I would say all of them, we've always said, are universal to the sense that you can practice all of them by the Spirit. But then some of them are given and appointed to people. And I know as I look out at this landscape, I know some of your gifts because I've seen them in action. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, okay. Yeah. No, that would be anti-scriptural. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, okay. Whew, glad we cleared that up. <laughs> All right, so back to where we are. So think about it in that way is my spiritual gifts are are probably very evident and because I'm leaning into that, but I I need to be open to other spiritual gifts. And part of what we're going to do Sunday morning just as a way to kind of like get you prepared for that is we're going to spend time together not taking tests, but in groups affirming each other's spiritual gifts. I think the best way that you can know a spiritual gift exists is when you see it in action and tell somebody, I think this gift is your gift because this is what I see you do in the body. And so we're going to do that, that together. Um, so that's the third one. I don't know if I'm going to get all these done, but that's fine. Um, here's one. Baptism in the Spirit is a separate event from regeneration and conversion. So some people theologically believe that you can be saved, but then later when you're like more elite spiritually that you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then you speak in tongues and do all the sign gifts. Well, I don't agree with that. Five, you, can sim- you cannot simultaneously believe in the miraculous gifts of the Spirit and have a high view of authority, the authority of Scripture at the same time. Here's the tension. Often in church cultures, and if, and if we would consider this maybe a more reformed, reserved church body, and I would, in some level, in the spiritual gifts, it's because we have a high view of the authority of Scripture. We don't want to, like, do things that aren't scriptural. And in other churches that maybe, like, are more Pentecostal, charismatic by nature and our stereotype of that, they speak in tongues and they, like, miracles happen and they're believing in the gifts of healing. And I'll emphasize it's gifts of healing. I'll always say that as I teach that. As I've learned, it's not the gift of healing, it's gifts of healing as it's mentioned in the scripture. Well, they just must not care about the Bible and about false discernment and stuff. 
I think you can simultaneously have a high view of the scripture and have a high view of the spirit and power and gifts, all right? So that's what we're after. Number six, these, these ones are just kind of funny, but they're true. Here's a myth. Charismatics are crazy, over-emotional, and downright scary. I know some friends that are charismatic, and they grew up, and I've thought of them as that way, but I've since learned to maybe maturely see them as maybe different, and maybe they even have something that I don't have. And, and, and it doesn't mean that some charismatics aren't crazy and over-emotional and downright scary. It just means that that label would be a myth to just dismiss all of that. On the other side, Reformed believers theologically have all the correct biblical interpretations on the things of the Spirit. That would be another myth. I grew up in a church body that their list was very small because they said all these gifts have just ceased in the church age. And they just said, we're not talking about them. We're not studying them. They're just gone. They, the apostles only, first century church. And I would say that can't be completely right either. So there's tension there. Number eight, people who speak in tongues and interpret tongues are not biblical. We would just say that about that for the most part, but clearly Paul writes about ways that can be biblical. Um, nine, speaking in tongues is a sign of true salvation. Some believe that. Some believe that you are not truly saved unless you speak in tongues. So that's a theology that's out there. I would think that's a myth because um, I, I'm pretty confident that I have a security in heaven and that I'm a believer and I don't speak in tongues. So I think that by my own uh, answer is not true. Number 10, prophecy, tongues, miracles, and healing were only for the first century church. I already mentioned that. Number 11, there are no higher gifts. And I want to be real quick about this. The Bible says, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, he means something different than we say. It's not about spiritual elitism, but the Bible says there are higher gifts. So how can we easily dismiss that? And not in the spiritually, again, we'll talk about this, not in the spiritually elite, like if I have this gift that I'll look down on you because that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about, which we'll learn. It's all about love. And without love, your spiritual gifts don't mean anything. Number 12, possessing those higher gifts is a sign of greater spirituality and favored by God. I just mentioned that. And then before we pray, I just want to mention these two. And because I think this is our, ought to be our heartbeat as a church, 13, I should not attempt to rightly understand and practice the miraculous spiritual gifts because they have been so abused badly in the past by others. I would say be open to the things of God as we journey together. I'm completely open. If, if, if we gather together around the scripture and pray together and God clearly says to us individually and as a body, all the miraculous gifts have ceased, I'll be on board with that. But if he says, no, we're not going to just dismiss them because we're so scared of them because of fear and because of bad practice that we will just not pay attention. And here's the 14th. And this would be me where I am at today. Your prior church experience prevents you from ever having a right practice and understanding of the spiritual gifts. I don't want that to be true of me. I don't want that to be true of any of you. Whatever past experience you had, I want us to trust God's word and be led by the Spirit in such a way that he could transform our body as a body for the good of whatever he wants. Does that make sense? I fully understand that some of you might be like, I don't know if I like where this is going. I might be with you in that because I'm, I'm kind of like two parts nervous and excited of finally towing into something that I've been afraid to and then wanting to be, I'm, 
you guys know this about me especially, and I think our elders all share this. We want to honor the scriptures and what we see. We don't want to put other things in there. And we don't want to do things that are, that are of evil practice and all the things we'll talk about in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and this will all make sense as we get into 1 Corinthians 12 about the pagan practices, right? Spiritual experiences. But we, don't, we just don't feel like, like we can just dismiss this and do what we've always done in the past. Does that make sense? And so don't leave real hope today. <laughs> like, I mean, don't, like, if your assessment is like, oh, man, this has happened in so many churches. They're going liberal or they're going wacky or charismatic or whatever. That's not a right assessment of this morning at all. On the same token, we're not throwing the scriptures out and we're also not saying we, we're just like containing the spiritual gifts. We're only teaching it this way. That's not true either. Let's just be open, which is why right now we're just going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to seek God together. Um, because we're kind of together, uh, here's how I'd like to do that. Just pray out loud if you want to stand up and just pray, um, and then I'll close our time together. Um, be open to um, what God has for us. And I think pray in this light with this question, what does God want me to personally grow in? And, and how can I be a blessing to this church family? And so I'm, I've admitted, like, I have fear over some of the gifts that I read in the Bible and just go, God, I don't know. Like, I've, I've been scared of those things in the past. I've seen them practice so poorly. I don't know if I want to step into a situation where, like, I actually teach what the Bible says. And I just want to, like, so that's my, and I want God to change my heart. And if he changes my heart, like I said, in a way of, like, no, the gifts have ceased, then I'll be fine with that. But I want him to do that and me not to bring anything to him with my preset, you know, suppositions and all the things that I think are, are how they should be. Does that make sense? So I'm going to open us in prayer. We'll pray for the next 14 minutes. I'll close us in prayer. If the Lord leads you just to pray, I'd only ask that you stand up so you can just be heard and uh, we'll just be led by the Spirit. And that's kind of how we start our journey together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you as a church body, and I'm thankful for all the, the many that are gathered here this morning that um, found this important to come, because I do think it's important to come before you on a topic like this, and I know because I've been guilty of it, it's not a topic that we've, I, I feel like it's not a topic that we've taught rightly and honestly. I can speak for myself in that, and I confess that because of different emotion I've had or different fear or whatever it is. And so, Father, I just want you to even use this brief time to open our hearts, that that's all that happens this morning is that you just crack open our hearts on this particular issue a little bit more. I think we could all say that that's of great value. And so, Father, as we pray together that we would seek you and, and together as a body now exalt the name of Christ. Father in heaven, we, we could continue to pray, and I pray that we would continue to focus on you um, throughout the morning and throughout the next several weeks and throughout all the minutes you give us here on this earth as we seek your face, seeking your word, sitting under the authority of your word and knowing that you have deposited the spirit in us as believers, the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And Father, I, I will be the first to admit that as I read something like in the book of Acts, when the believers prayed together and the whole roof of the building they were in, the home shook, I would be one that would just say, well, I don't know if that could happen today. And, and Father, I, I don't know 
what you would have for this church body, but I want to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to believe that that when you have given the Spirit into people because of your choice in redemption and because of the gifts and purposes you've determined because of your sovereign will, Father, you have purpose to send us out on mission. And, and when I see something like that in the Scripture that we don't want to quench that Spirit, Father, that should alarm us all. I confess I have quenched the Spirit and, and will likely continue to do that in my own life. And Father, so open me and open our church body to that. And in the same way, Father, I pray that you would cause us to be like the Bereans and test everything against the authority of the Scriptures, that we would, we would be cautious. And Father, help us as a church body to, to identify error. And people that have gifts, I even already know, that have gifts of discerning spirits and, and false things in this room, that, that they would be especially aware. And that, Father, you could give us all a desire to only do what we see in your word and only accomplish together what you have called us to do together. And so, Father, I do pray, especially for, uh, as Adam prayed and several others, that you would cause us to love one another. Part of my fear in even engaging this topic was knowing that it could potentially be divisive for some that disagree or are nervous in the same way. And, Father, I, I share that in some ways of, of just wading into this very cautiously and, Father, wanting to honor everybody as well. And so help us to love one another. I, I, I pray and trust that we will do that. And I also know that love doesn't come without um, hard conversations and sometimes conflict. And so protect us from the enemy and divisiveness um, and, and cause us, as our hearts are, to be, hum to, to be humble and have humbleness with one another as we move forward. And so, Father, we give you this day. We're here to worship you. We're here to ultimately exalt the name of Jesus and, and sing the gospel and pray the gospel and preach the gospel that, that Jesus would be our most supreme um, target as we look at what we want to do in our lives, that all of our lives would only um, make Jesus and his glory shine. And so, Father, we give you this time, our hearts. There will be questions that will abound, I'm sure, but uh, those will come. And we trust the Spirit and we, we pray um, all of these things in the mighty and beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Uh, I'm going to dismiss you, just remind you um, that I, I feel like I need to say this as I prayed it. We're not changing radically who we are and what we're doing. We're wading into all of this very cautiously with the outcome of just being open-handed. And so um, I know that maybe some of you have questions. You can ask elders about that, but also take those questions and say, let's give that time. I don't need to have that answered today. Um, maybe wait till after February and then come at me full speed. Does that sound good? All right, go eat some treats. <laughs>